Welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church family here in Yankton. Our episode today is from our series, Living God's Way. As we transition into our new normal, we need to recognize that our world has changed. Although our lives may look differently, this can be a tremendous opportunity for us individually and as a church to truly live out what God desires for our lives. We hope you enjoy. Hello, Celebrate family. Today we're going to continue on in Living God's Way series. Our verse for today is uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 to 13. That's what you heard read in the video before the message here. And so far, we've been talking about things of knowing and knowing. And last week, we took a turn into doing. And Jeff talked to us about living unselfishly. Pastor Jeff gave us three wonderful keys about living unselfishly for understanding and honor and sacrifice. Well, today, as we read these passages from 1 Peter, we realize that, and Peter brings it up, that we're going to encounter conflict. How are we going to handle that conflict? Even if we're doing all these things we're trying to do, sometimes conflict still arises. And, you know, many of you have had to deal with conflict. I'm sure it's probably in the the 100% range right now. You know, that we've all had to deal with conflict, whether it's with a spouse or children or other family members or friends or co-workers, bosses, employees, sometimes just people that you've run into. We can't predict the situations that are going to arise a conflict for us, but we can consider how we handle that. Funny thing is, in relationships, God likes to put us together as opposites. You know, I'm an early riser. I'm, for whatever reason, I can't sleep past six in the morning. Now, my wife, she'd be happy to sleep in as, as long as I'd let her, or as long as the dog will let her. And I've got kids that, quite frankly, the crack of noon is too early. <laughs> so when you're in relationships, it's just kind of funny. God, I think, has a sense of humor that he says, I'm going to take this one, and I'm going to take that one, and we're going to put them together. And, and you know, it makes life interesting. Just for for fun. If you've, if, if, if you've got somebody in the room with you, who in the room is the daring and impulsive one? Who's the more cautious and reserved one? Who loves to talk and can, can, can continue on a conversation with anybody? Who's the quiet one? The wallflower or bump on a log, as we'd say. Who's the tight one? Who's the big spender? You know? It just seems like whatever the issue is, when people come together, we're on one side or the other, 
and uh, and I think God just does that for variety and excitement. Quite honestly, if everybody was just like me, this would be a really, really, really boring place. And you know what? If everybody was just like you, it'd still be boring. This variety of different people, different types, different likes and dislikes, different attitudes, makes all of this very interesting and exciting. And you know, even though opposites attract, it doesn't mean opposites have to attack. You know, we, we spend our dating time together getting to know somebody and oh that's such a cute thing and I just love how they how they do that and then you know two years into the marriage it's like you're getting on my last nerve <laughs> you know but go back to the first verse we read there first Peter chapter 3 verse 8 it says finally all of you be like-minded be sympathetic Love one another, be compassionate, and be humble. It doesn't say we have to agree, but when he's talking about like-minded here, he's being like-minded in attitudes. Like-minded in attitudes about sympathy, about compassion, tender-heartedness, humility. Be like-minded in these things so that as you're dealing with somebody who is not on the same wavelength as you, we can deal with them in grace. You know, God tells us, I made you differently. You know, we're opposites. We're supposed to be that way. But I want you to get along. We're going to need to have some help in this area because on our own, as always, we tend to mess it up. There was a movie a few years back called Field of Dreams. Remember that? There was a, the, the voice speaking all the time. If you build it, he will come. Well, we're going to get look at some building blocks here. And if you build on these, your relationships will thrive. First of these three building blocks is to one, be sympathetic. Be sympathetic. If you're sympathetic, it will decrease you from being pathetic. I heard this story about a couple that went to marriage counseling, and you know, the counselor talked to them, and they talked, and the husband talked to the counselor. But the wife wouldn't say anything. She just sat there, silent, didn't say anything. And week after week, they'd come back. And the husband would talk, the wife would sit there silent. And the counselor was trying to do everything he could to bring out the wife. Finally, after seven sessions of this, he just got fed up and he walked away from his desk, went around, gave the woman a kiss on the cheek. And immediately, she came, became animated, and she reached over and hugged her husband. 
And then she started talking, pouring out all of her frustrations and, and cares and worries that she'd been having over the past few weeks. And all of this just came spilling out. And the counselor, he looked at the husband, he said, Mr. Jones, that kiss represents the kind of treatment your wife needs every day. And the husband looked at the counselor and said, you know, you're right. Doc, I can bring her in on Mondays and Wednesdays, but I'm not sure about the rest of the week. Be sympathetic, not idiotic. Peter's not talking about emotions. Sympathy is more than just emotions. Sympathy is, is looking to the other's situation, looking to the other's position. Whether you're in agreement or not, looking to them and seeing and trying to understand. And that's the first key in sympathy. Just like we talked about last week, understanding. Live together according to knowledge. You've got to know the other person, the unselfish. Unselfishness begins when we ask, what do they need? What do they need? Understanding where they're at, trying to understand where they're coming from, trying to understand what they need in this relationship, in this conversation, in all that is going on at the moment. Most things are truly explainable. Now, they may not always be right, but they can always be explainable. And it might not make any sense, but it's still explainable. Being understandable makes means you care about the reason behind the feelings and the attitudes than about the results of the situation. There's a story of a father who was sick in bed with the flu. And his darling little girl was doing all of her best to be the, the nurse in training. She was fluffing his pillows and tucking his blankets in and bringing him water to drink and 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 getting him, getting him his book to read. And then she came in with a cup of tea for him. And he looked at her and he said, Oh, sweetie, this is wonderful. How did you know how to make tea? And she says, Well, Daddy, I learned by watching you. She said, I put the tea leaves in the pan like you do. And I put the water in the pan, in the maker like you do, and it boiled. And then I strained it into your favorite coffee mug. The only problem was I couldn't find the strainer you use. So I used this fly swatter. You what? Said the dad. Oh, don't worry. She says, I didn't use your new one. You know. Understanding the reason, not the result. Understanding the reason, 
Stephen Covey, in his book Seven Habits of Successful People, said, successful people seek to understand before they seek to be understood. Second key to being sympathetic is honor, just like last week. Not only do I seek to understand you, but I value you. You are value. Honor doesn't just mean that I listen to your opinion, but really take it to heart. Your opinion might be my action. Valuing you as I listen and understand may change my heart about the direction or action I take myself. Learning to be sympathetic through understanding and honor. The second block, the second building block of being one mind is to be compassionate. As he said in there, be compassionate. We all struggle with compassion. We get stressed, we get worn down, and some days that just gets on our last nerve and compassion is not always there. I admit, I have compassion problems on some days. I get irritated with my wife. I get irritated with my kids. I get irritated with my boss. I get irritated with coworkers. That stuff happens. That's life. That's that's day to day. We all have those times. A tender-hearted compassion says, "We're on the same team." My wife or my kids, my boss, my co-workers, people in the church, we're not enemies. We're not on opposite sides. We're not on opposing teams. We're on the same team. The enemy is out there. Not here. Not here. Tenderhearted means we attack the problem, the situation. The problem is the objective, not each other. I'm not in competition with my family. I need to be in cooperation with them. So rather than thinking competition, think cooperation. Rather than thinking attack and making a point, see work together to resolve the problem and what is the problem that's where understanding and sympathy and honor come together because you might see the problem completely different than they see the problem and so taking the first step of sympathy with understanding and honor to get an understanding of what they see the problem is let's you together with them be a team to attack the problem, not each other. Do you notice a subtle shift here? Tenderhearted says, I'm committed to fixing the problem, 
Not assigning blame. Or claiming the credit. Let's think about that again. Tender-hearted is about fixing the problem, not assigning blame or claiming credit. It's not scoring points. It's working together to resolve the issue. Look at Jesus. He knew no sin, but became sin on the cross so that I can experience God's righteousness. He was perfect, but he took on my sin. He took on your sin. He took on the sin of the entire world that we could come to God and experience his righteousness. When I really care, when I really understand what it means to have a tender heart, my problems become our problems. We work together, not apart. And that's what it means to love one another with a tender heart. Romans chapter 12 verse 10 says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. This is exactly what we are talking about before. In the sympathy, in the understanding, in the honor. Putting the other person up there first and saying, I'm going to understand where you're at. I'm going to get an idea of what you think is the issue and why you feel that is the issue so that together we can come at this thing as one and overcome it not as opponents to score against each other. So be sympathetic. Be compassionate. And the third building block, last, last phrase in that verse, be humble. Ooh. This crunches toes. But it's not new. Solomon, back in Proverbs, chapter 13, verse 10, said, Where there is strife, there's pride. Where there is strife, there's pride. That is so absolutely true. And when you look at pride, what's right in the middle of pride? I. Pride, middle of it, I. And when I have a pride problem, I have an eye problem. And that rests solely on my shoulders. Every problem I have is right here in me. One day we will all stand before the Father. And he will ask you, how did you respond to others when they hurt you? And he can legitimately ask that. Because each one of us hurt him. Our sin caused him to separate from his son and let him hang on the cross as sin to 
pay for the price of our sin. We have hurt God, and he can legitimately ask us, how did you respond to others when they hurt you? And he's gonna. How are you gonna answer that? There's a poem by Andrew Murray, or prose. It just says, humility is perfect quietness of heart. It is to expect nothing, to wonder at nothing that is done to me, to feel nothing done against me. It is to be at rest when nobody praises me. And when I am blamed or despised, it is to shut the door and kneel to my father in secret. And I am at peace as in a deep sea of calmness, when all around and above is trouble. In Philippians, Paul writes, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death on a cross, and therefore God exalted him. What's key in this is God did not exalt Jesus for what he did on the cross. That was his plan from the beginning. You can go back to Genesis, that was his plan. God exalted Jesus by how he went to the cross in humility. A big man is one who makes you feel bigger in their presence. And you can see this with Apostle Paul. His claim, his statement of himself is, I am the chief of sinners. He has stated that, wrote it down. It was never hard for him to say, I'm sorry. If I'm humble, I can say three very difficult words. I was wrong. How many of us have problems saying those three words? If you're having a problem saying those three words, you're having a problem with pride. And you need to see the eye doctor, who's Jesus. That's not this eye doctor. That's this eye doctor. Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Proverbs 28. When you confess your sin, when you own your failings, your shortcomings, when you own the fact that you don't have it all together. You don't got it. When you own that, and you lay it down before God and say, I have sinned. That releases you from perfectionism. Not that we shouldn't strive to be perfect, but it releases you from the burden of of carrying that perfectionism out 
in yourself and enforcing it on others. Because you know, in humility, it's the grace of God that steps you forward. When we learn to say I'm sorry, we no longer have to demand perfection. So be humble and you won't stumble. So be sympathetic. Be compassionate. Be humble. About 37 years ago, Tyling and I were newlyweds. We had been married about, oh, maybe a month or so, and we got into an argument. Imagine that. We weren't following any of these principles. We were two hot-headed, young 20-somethings, full of our pride, and we shouted at each other, said hurtful things. I hurt her. She hurt me. It got so bad, she called her family back in Montana. And her mother put her dad on the line, and she poured out her heart to her dad, telling her all, telling him all that we'd been going through and how horrible it was, and just how she didn't want to deal with us anymore. And her last line was, Daddy, I want to come home. Well, after listening to her, letting her vent it all out, he replied. He says, well, that happens. And you are home. And then he just said, you and Rod will just have to figure it out. To this day, I am so thankful for a godly father-in-law who employed these principles of sympathy, compassion, humility, seeking to understand and honor. Through his counsel, we did work it out. Obviously, we're still together after 37 years. And no, it hasn't been perfect, but we've learned. The grass is not always greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. So if you want the green grass, you have to water it. Be sympathetic. Be compassionate. Be humble. And in the moment of conflict, pause. Yes, you don't have to get the last word. Sometimes it's better just to pause. Let's go to prayer. Father, we come to you today. We thank you for the gracious word that you've given us today. That we could learn from the things that you had Peter write down for us about compassion, about sympathy, about humility, tenderheartedness, understanding and honor, all these things, Father, that we can seek to be unselfish and we can seek to be peacemakers, that we can seek to 
solve together our problems rather than score points against each other. Lord, as we take this in, if there's one here who doesn't know you and needs to, Lord, I pray that you would just open their heart to understanding that your way is a way of compassion, that it's not a burden, it's a blessing, and that this compassion creates unity and hope and honor. Father, in all of these things, we submit ourselves to you and to each other as you have called us to, that may we may walk in one mind of our attitudes towards each other and be known by our love as your children. And we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you'd like to grow more in your faith, check out one of our life groups that meet throughout the week. For a list of days and times, please visit our website at yankton.church. You can also follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Celebrate Yankton.